You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. This is Fired Up NFL Draft with your host, Daniel Garrett and Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how you doing today? Doing good. Uh, just getting everything in order before heading down to Mobile before the Senior Bowl. Uh, doing some last-minute touch-ups of some things and just getting packed. So it's an exciting time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm really excited to see you. i am uh, got the virtual setup going for this year for the Senior Bowl. So get get to at least watch practices and then obviously the game will be on, I think that's on NFL network, right? It is. Yes. Yeah. But get to get to watch practices there. And so that'll be, that'll be good. Get to see some, a very, very good senior bowl roster. Oh yeah. Uh, Big time. But uh, today we have some draft risers. We have three guys today. Uh, Jameson Williams, Darian Kendrick and Kenny Pickett. I would say these might be, the three biggest risers in the draft uh especially williams and pickett those two are definitely the two biggest risers from the pre-draft from the preseason process yeah Um, i definitely think you can make that argument and you know i think barring i think i think these especially in terms of where they're going to go they're definitely among the biggest like high profile risers like there might be some guys that you know, have kind of risen out of nowhere, but they're still going to be, you know, mid round picks, but these guys are a different story. Yeah. And obviously I, for each of these guys, I went back and watched a, uh, a 2020 game just to see where they came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've obviously all shown a good amount of improvement. None of these guys are just unknowns um, where, it's oh we just hadn't really watched them these are all guys from major programs obviously Williams and Kendrick transferred but they transferred from a top program to another top program Mm -hmm. um so we'll start here with Williams uh the wide receiver at Alabama obviously Taurus ACL in the national championship game um so won't be testing through the pre-draft process here uh but I think we have to start with if we're looking at his strengths, I think his speed really is what his standout trait is. Yeah. It's a different type of speed because, you know, it's, I think some people will kind of uh, liken it to that of Tyree kill, but it, it, it has the same acceleration, but it just looks different because uh, Williams is a good few inches taller at 6'2", 189, and he seems all that 6'2". Like, he's pretty yeah. tall and lanky, but he is able to get from 0 to 100 in no time at all. I remember, I think it was in the national championship, they hit him with a little bubble screen, and he just took it upfield in the blink of an eye. Like, he is just so different with the ball in his hands getting upfield, uh, and even like, even just taking the top off the of defense, you know, getting vertical before the ball is uh, in his hands. He's uh, great at just getting by defenders and just you know 
gaining separation with pure straight line speed. Another another great thing with Jameson Williams is I really liked his aggressiveness in terms of being a blocker. Obviously, mm-hmm. technique wasn't all there. Um, strength that that frame six to one ninety is not there, but just the fact that he's willing to be aggressive and you saw it and it was one of my big notes in the in the 2020 film at Ohio State too he was very aggressive as a blocker even then it's not just a one-year sample size um you watch him against Penn State and he does a very good job of they like to get the Ohio State get those wide receiver screens out on the perimeter and he was a good blocker in that and he was going up against physical corners and he was doing a pretty good job just getting being physical and meeting them more towards where they are instead of letting them come to him. And I, yeah, that, that seems keep going. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just saying, and I, I thought that that was just a very, for a top level receiver, that is a more rare trait. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a trait that you see with a lot of these, like, like that was something I saw in John Mechie, which was interesting that he was also a really tenacious blocker. And I think that's kind of just how Jamison plays. Like the way he runs after the catch, just this very, like he, like, it's not like he's seeking out contact, but he is, you know, he's going at defenders, even when he's a ball carrier and obviously when he's a blocker too. So I think that trait just carries over into his entire attitude of how he plays, which is a good thing to note. Yeah. And so, so I will say when you look at Jamison, Watching him at Ohio State going back, it it wasn't necessarily that like you couldn't see the speed and the aggression and all that and the ability with the, the ball in his hands at Ohio State. He just he's in a room with two other first round picks and then Jackson Smith and Jigba. Who might be the number one receiver next yeah, year? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like just an absolutely loaded room, and just the sample size wasn't there, mm-hmm. less so than the actual talent. But uh, what what was a what was his uh, worst trait in your opinion? I think for me, it's and this is kind of it's not exactly a, it's I guess it's kind of a weakness, but it's something you you know can mitigate based on scheme and just usage. I would say like making contested catches, and you know. I think that that might just be something that comes with some more time and, you know, getting used to attacking the ball in the air when it's kind of, when it's kind of hanging up there as opposed to just running under it and catching it. Um, you know, we, there's a lot of big contested catch receivers in this draft class. You think about guys like uh, Drake London, Traylon Burks, those kind of guys. And Williams is obviously not built like them. Like he's sub 200. Those guys are, you know, 210, 215 plus. And so, you know, it's not something that you're going to expect him to do a ton of or or necessarily succeed in all the time but if he wants to you know be in the nfl i guess when if he wants to become that you know dominant number one elite top 10 receiver you know that's something that he would have to work on yeah i i definitely see that and i also thought some of his uh he, he sometimes had trouble with his releases at the line, and it was definitely more of a problem at Ohio State. It is something he did improve upon at Bama, um, for sure. He definitely got better, but I, I thought that was something. I, I agree. I think the bigger issue is the contested catches, but I just wanted to bring up another thing that was a not necessarily a negative, but more of a neutral 
Yeah, I think in general with him, you can say like, like he was obviously awesome this season, you know, 1500 yards, 15 touchdowns, 20 yards per catch. But you could see like things like that where you're like, okay, this guy's best football might still be ahead of him just because like you were saying, like he just hasn't had a ton of reps. You know, he didn't play that much at Ohio State because of the log jam there. And this was really his one big season of production where he did get a ton of targets. And like you said, like you saw as he got more playing time, he was able to improve upon some of the issues he had so you know if you you know have this acl issue which i don't think many teams are going to be too scared off by uh, because it seemed like it wasn't that catastrophic of one relative to some of the other ones we've seen in this kind of on this timeline so i'm not saying he uh you know is ready for week one but you know he could play his rookie season at the end of the year especially if he's on a playoff team and you know you get him with a good receivers coach in the nfl level like he could become a truly dominant receiver yeah, he definitely has all the physical traits needed. Um, and, and he isn't a guy that even necessarily is going to be at that. Like you look at Traylon Burks, you mentioned him earlier. He's a pretty well-formed, physically built guy. And he's probably not going to get, like you can't, I don't think you're adding strength to Traylon Burks. Now he doesn't need it. That's that's the difference. He doesn't need that added strength, but he is what he is in terms of that strength. Jameson, I think you can add. You probably aren't adding much, but like there's a chance you can give him probably up to the high 190s, upper mm-hmm. 190s, and I think that could do a good deal, good amount of help in terms of just general play strength. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I would, I definitely agree with you. I would say I'd caution against that though, for, because one of the other issues you could kind of nitpick with him is, you know, some of his route running isn't the most nuanced, yeah. uh, just, you know, getting, sinking his hips, getting in and out of breaks quickly. Obviously we talked about that incredible straight line speed, but then, you know, when you have to break it off quickly and change direction, sometimes that's a little hard. So, you know, him getting used to that, uh, you don't want to add too much weight because then that kind of throws off your body equilibrium and how well you can get in and out of your breaks. Uh, but, but I, I agree with you for the purposes of, you know, getting stronger at the point of attack when blocking and when making contested catches and dealing with press. Yeah, and, and if you're looking at it, you're only adding if he's at 190, say you get him up to 196. I don't think it's going to necessarily mess him up greatly. Now, if you're trying to get him up over 200, I think that's where you would run into that issue, uh, if you even could. Uh, I. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you could theoretically, like, maybe you add that weightage and then he does, you know, maybe he doesn't lose any speed and that just, but it just kind of naturally makes it easier for him to get in on break. So maybe it's a crazy way that makes him an even better player, but, you know, we're kind of just uh, shooting into the breeze for, you know, for what it's worth. Yeah. And so I guess that moves us on to where do you see his draft range? I mean, I think he's a first round lock, regardless of the injury. Yeah. Uh, I think that for me, I think he's the, the, the wide receiver group is very interesting this year because you don't have, I don't think any of the prospects are equal to the ones that we saw um, last year, you know, with Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, and Devonta Smith. Um, and probably some of them aren't, aren't maybe not be close to the year before where you have guys like Justin Jefferson and uh, stuff like that. Um, for him, I, I, he's a top half of the first round guy for me. I think he might, he might end up being my wide receiver one just because 
that speed is just so incredible. And there are so many guys that, you know, don't have that. And you said, we were mentioning this earlier that, you know, there are some, he is lacking in some of the more nuanced technical parts of his game, but he's shown improvement in some of those. And those are things you can teach and improve on him. So you, if you're given those physical gifts that, you know, give you an elite player off the bat and then you can take it and make it even better that I just, that's just a ceiling that is so high for me that I can't resist, you know, making him a, you know, top 15 uh, type of player in this class. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm right there with you in terms of the draft range Um, in terms of wide receiver one, I don't think he will end up after all things are finished just because like you said, the physical traits, it's hard. It, you can't teach those physical traits. But there's another guy in a uh, in another SEC West school that just so happens to have uh, impressive physical traits in terms of height, weight, um, hand size, um, physical ability, running ability, everything like that. And Traylon Burks, who I think is going to be very high for me, and obviously have some other guys that are also very impressive, but. If I had to guess, he will definitely be a top three receiver for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so next up, we have Darian Kendrick uh, from Georgia. Before that, he was at Clemson, um, was dismissed from the team. Um, some off-field stuff. Uh, but he's at Georgia now and was – a very good addition for them and played in that absolutely tremendous defense him and uh, Keely Ringo opposite him were very good for them in terms of their uh, coverage ability and how that improved from last year and so uh what what was Kendrick's strength for you for Kendrick, I liked his ability to man coverage. And I think part of that comes from his background as a wide receiver. So that's what he came to Clemson as. But And then uh, after his freshman year, there were some injuries at the corner position. So they moved him over there as kind of an emergency. And they're like, oh, this guy's pretty good at corner. So they kept him there. And he was uh, an all-ACC player there. And then he just kind of stuck there because of how good he was. Um, but I just like his ability to stay in phase and man coverage. He plays really well when he's playing with, uh, with the sideline as his ally. Um, I would say that Let's see. I'm just kind of reading my notes here. Um, he's ve- very sticky in those vertical routes, which is good if you have him as you know covering your X receiver. Um, he changes direction very well when he is uh, you know making that transition from the back pedal to the uh, to turn and run with guys. Uh, he gets a little aggressive, biting on uh, like kind of double moves early in the route and can get beat deep after that. But if he's, I li- I really like him in just that you know tight man coverage kind of role. Yeah, I, I agree, and I thought uh, your last point about, about him biting on double moves, um, it happened um, quite a bit in two of the three games that I watched, um, those two being Alabama uh, in the SEC title game. Um, it happened twice, I believe, and then it happened uh, three times, I believe, against Ohio <laughs> State last year. Yeah, Ohio State was a rough day for him. Uh, Garrett Wilson gave him all kinds of trouble. Yeah, yeah, that was a rough one. That was the 2020 tape that I had watched of him. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very interesting conversation. Um, my guess would be you are pretty high on him just because what I have seen of criticisms of Darian Kendrick 
by major media outlets have been on his man coverage ability, hmm. which is okay. <laughs> odd. Um, but those outlets tend to have him lower as well. Um, tend to have him near the end of the third round range. Um, hmm. So I, I think it's very interesting that some people aren't a fan of it. I thought he had some issues in trail as well, but overall, I thought he was pretty good in man. Um, didn't necessarily always love his eyes. I thought it's a point of improvement in zone coverage, um, mm-hmm. but I didn't think it was like a that death sentence for him and coverage. I thought he was able to play through his struggles in that sense and be able to actually perform decently well in zone. Um, and I thought he was very good um, in, especially the Ohio state game. The one thing that stood out to me was his ability to come up and support against scrambles um, mm was something I took a note of against Justin Fields. I thought he did very well of coming out of those zones and coming up to make tackles against a scrambling quarterback. And that was something that was very impressive for me. Yeah, I think so. For me, this kind of goes to my improvement uh, with what you talked about with his eyes. And it was zone coverage, trigger, and recovery. So, and I, and this kind of, we mentioned his aggressiveness earlier as well. That, that's why I'm kind of, I prefer him as a man corner because – yeah. I think that if he's there were times where he was good at like exchanging zones with like rotating and stuff, but other times, like he just, it seemed like he didn't know what he was looking at uh, or just the off or the offensive route pattern just confused him. So, you know, I think I'd want to like keep him in man at least to begin with, because, you know, he might kind of get lost in zone coverage with, you know, a complex offense attacking him. So that's kind of why man was best for me. It wasn't, just because like, oh, like he's like just this perfect lockdown corner in man. Uh, but I, I do think that's where he's better right now. Not necessarily because of the um, physical aspects or the athletic ability, more so just because of the mental side of it. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I do think he is better in man. And I think when we get into the draft range with Kendrick, I think that's going to be where we see a major difference between uh, I'll, I'll say I I was interested um, after taking notes and getting my notes ready. I wanted to look up where uh, the draft network had these guys and they had him at 98. And I was wondering why it was so low because I'll say it. I have a, I believe he's a second round player. Um, Yeah. That's about where I have him. I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably say that I would, I'd probably be like into the early third uh, yeah. right now. Um, yeah, that that's fair. Yeah, that's just because I also really didn't like his run defense and tackling, uh, which, again, might be kind of a converting from offense kind of thing. Uh, just not really good technique, not a ton of want to uh, angles were kind of iffy. So that whole aspect wasn't great, uh, which, again, for some people, some, me to some extent, you know, that isn't a huge thing for me. But if it's a big negative, that's just going to drop you down a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I would say like early third for me, uh, it depending on the defense, you know, some, some teams kind of just might like him more than others. Uh, I think I'm trying maybe the, the kind of like Staley too high quarters kind of defenses might be more favorable to him. Uh, Cause he's playing back further and can kind of read things a little more, but um, I'm still kind of trying to figure out exactly 
he's he's a bit of a confusing eval just because of um you know playing in different defenses so he's a guy I, I probably still need to watch some more of but right now i'd be comfortable taking him in the early third i think for the reason is that the the corners i have ahead of him i feel more comfortable like slotting them into a specific role and like i feel more confident about where their positives and negatives are whereas kendrick it's still a bit fluid for me uh, yeah, so I'll be interested to ask, do you know a range in terms of corners where you would have him? In terms of relative to other guys in the class? Yes, yes. Um, let me, th- I'm going to pull up my rankings right now. I, he's probably right on the edge of my top 10, if I had to guess. Yeah, that's, um, that's where he is for me. He's, he would be fighting for the 10th spot. Yeah, so like uh, if we kind of throw back to where we had our corner rankings, I'd probably say he's somewhere. I'd probably put him behind Kyler Gordon because, again, like a guy like Kyler Gordon, who is a pure press man, just locked down, do that. Like I I know what Kyler Gordon does well, and I know what I can do with him. Whereas Kendrick, again, like I said, it's still a bit amorphous for me. So I'd prefer Gordon to Kendrick, but I could see – Kendrick's ceiling being a little higher because he's like, all right, like he, maybe he, he can do multiple things. Whereas Gordon, I'm not, so I am less confident in him executing certain assignments. Yeah. Do you have him in like the, uh, name my Pritchett range? I liked Pritchett more than Gordon actually. Uh, yeah, I, so- I had Pritchett one spot above Kendrick. Okay. So yeah, we're, we're all, we're all about the same. Yeah. It, so, in, it's in the same bubble or yeah, cloud. So that, I mean, that, that would probably be in the 60s mm-hmm. for me yeah. like it it depends it would be it like late second early third would be yeah. probably about right um for sure yeah very very good player and definitely a guy to keep your eyes on and wasn't talked about a ton in the preseason just because of that whole situation with Clemson and yeah, I that whole that, that thing really just kind of knocked him off a lot of people's boards, which is yeah. kind of weird considering that, um, you know, that it happened. And but Swinney still kind of gave him like a vote of confidence, like, hey, like he messed like we we did have to part ways with him, but he's like a great kid. You know, he's going to end up somewhere and he's going to be a good player. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of weird how much he fell off, because I know a lot of people had him like as a first round block. And then he just kind of disappeared for a while. Yeah, I remember. Daniel Jeremiah was talking about him last year as a potential first round corner mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. in last year's draft. Uh, he was talking about him as corner five um, last year. So I-, I did also find that very interesting. Um, last up, we have uh, saving the quarterback for last, probably the most intriguing in terms of the rise um, is Kenny Pickett. Um, quarterback from Pitt. Yeah, this is <laughs> as a Pittsburgh guy. This is it's been very interesting to watch Kenny Pickett's career, uh, given that he was kind of just your you know, game manager quarterback at Pitt for the last four or three or four seasons. Uh, didn't do much in terms of throwing the ball vertically, just kind of hand the ball off, did play action, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then uh, honestly, like, I think th- I, I haven't really seen this comparison a lot, which kind of surprises me given how apt, at least from a narrative perspective it is, but this is a very Joe Burrow esque rise, because if you think about where Joe Burrow was prior to 2019, he was kind of a mid round quarterback, you know, so it like, Oh, like he's got, you know, some NFL tools, like he's a smart player. He's a decent athlete. He can throw the ball accurately pretty well, uh, but he's not 
create anything crazy. And then 2019 happens and Joe Burrow is the first overall pick. With Kenny Pickett, you have that same kind of narrative leading up to this season. This season, they changed the offense a bit. He explodes on the scene. Uh, he finishes, I want to say, second or third in the Heisman race. Uh, you know, just, just throwing the ball all, all over the place. It's over 4,000 yards, 42 touchdowns. Uh, and I'm not saying Kenny Pickett is going to be a first overall pick, but, you know, he went from a probably like a day three pick to now being a most likely a first round pick. Yeah, and it's very, very interesting to me because I look at my notes uh, going from 2020 to the 2021 games. Um, to me, what I saw wasn't necessarily that he fixed the negatives. It's that he reduced them. Mm-hmm. He, yep. he reduced the... He reduced how often they occurred mm-hmm. the, it's still the same negatives it just happened less they occurred less often which, which is obviously a good thing but you still have the same sort of negatives and obviously the big one is going to be the physical tools he just mm-hmm. does not have the physical tools to be necessary to be an elite quarterback um obviously you look at burrow burrow the main difference you see with him not having great physical tools is he has the aggression and the timing to be able to hit deeper stuff that is necess- that is typically an issue with a weaker arm quarterback. He can throw the ball downfield because he has such good timing and anticipation, and I don't see that level from Pickett to where he can make up for the physical deficiencies. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And that's kind of like why I like in my notes, I like Joe Burrow light just because again, like it's not to the same extent, but you know, the way that he is succeeding is very similar, you know, when he is throwing the ball deep, it's, it is because of timing, syncing up mechanics and everything and having that all be perfect. And then obviously when you translate that to NFL, windows become tighter, defenders are better, defenders are faster. So, you know, you have to be even more perfect. And you know, this season, Joe Burrow has done that despite getting, you know, put on his ass a ton from behind a subpar offensive line. Uh, But, and for that reason, like, I'm not comfortable saying like, Kenny, I'm not fully on board with Kenny Pickett being my QB one, because again, like you do have those physical limitations. Therefore things are going to be harder for you. Like you do have to play at a certain level of play consistently to you continually succeed and make the right decisions and keep the ball out of harm's way. I could see because he Pickett just doesn't naturally have as much of that, you know, consistent accuracy and all that stuff as Burrow. I could see, you know, him being drafted and then having some more issues, uh, you know, once he gets to the NFL uh, because, and I mean, for, for Pickett, like he is a better athlete in terms of like running the ball and moving in the pocket than I think people give him credit for. I would say him and Burrow are probably pretty similar in that regard in terms of their athletic ability. But again, like Burrow just has just a, just a certain knack instincts, whatever you want to call it for just, you know, having that timing down, which Pickett still struggles with a bit. Yeah. I would say in terms of the athleticism, not factoring out the arm, um, mm-hmm. but in terms of the athleticism, I agree. I think him and Burrow are similar. I think Burrow is a better runner, but in terms of the actual athleticism that goes into that, I agree. I think Burrow is better when he actually 
takes the ball and runs. And I think he's also better at uh, maneuvering in the pocket. But if you're just looking for a guy to say, does he have the athleticism to be able to scramble and that stuff? He does. He fits that. He has enough. He has what it takes athletically to be able to move a bit. Um, but I, one of, one of the interesting things for me was I didn't necessarily always love, I thought he had inconsistent ball placement. I thought a lot of times he was hitting the wrong shoulder um, mm. on stuff, especially over the middle. I thought he was throwing behind a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so not necessarily, not necessarily sure if always that was because like there were times also where he would hit the feet and be a little high and obviously you're not going to have everything perfect but when you're comparing him to guys selected typically in the range he's probably going to go um in previous years you look at him and he just is less precise with his ball placement as compared to like we saw a physically limited relative quarterback and Mac Jones was a lot more polished in terms of the ball placement than what Kenny Pickett is. Yeah. Um, I agree. And that's, that's kind of, again, like my difference between him and Burrow is that whereas Burrow like is hitting guys in the numbers consistently getting the ball, like perfectly where it needs to be. Pickett is just, you know, that, that hair or that second off where it's just, yeah. it's not he'll, perfect. He'll hit the guy. Yeah. But yeah like yeah. It, it might not be in the right spot to where the, if he hit him perfectly like Burrow does, the DB doesn't have a chance to make the play, even though it doesn't have that zip that you see with like a Herbert or a Mahomes. Mm-hmm. It still is in a spot placed in a spot where the DB can't make a play. Whereas Pickett, he still doesn't have that zip, but he sometimes leaves it up to where a DB can make a play on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so, uh, I had when I was watching him, a name that did come to mind for me, I'll just throw this out here was uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, I could see that. Um, ju- just a guy <laughs> did, that, that uh, I'm gonna, I'm actually, I'm gonna throw a flag on this one. How much did the two gloves have to do with it? Um, actually, not a lot because I kind of, <laughs> I kind of forgot that Bridgewater wore gloves. Teddy two gloves, baby. Yeah, I, I <laughs> and they're both wearing them for essentially ostensibly the same reason that they both have oh, yeah, pretty small hands. hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that that's yeah. something for people who, you know, ascribe a lot of value to that. Yeah, which I mean, at, at a certain point, it's yep, yeah, it's probably gotta matter. But like, yeah. I don't know what that point is. We haven't, yeah, because like typically when you have guys with tiny hands, they usually don't have enough talent to make it be a discussion. <laughs> Yep, that's true. <laughs> so I think Pickett will be a good test case for how much hand size actually matters. And if it's more so guys with eight inch hands just really suck. I mean, I think there's been some talk that he has even sub eight inch hands, which I don't think is accurate, but that, like this would be the outlier of outliers if he was able to, you know, stick in the NFL because of just that. But it, for him, for in terms of draft range, you know, I, I think he is going to go in the first round. In terms of where I would grade him, I'd probably say he's a late second round talent. Um, so, so if you know, if you add a a round or a you know, kind of a round and a half or half a round, you know, he, then he goes in like the middle of the first round. And like for like we were talking about with this, you know, hand issue, like if he went to the Saints, I'd be like, all right, that's a good fit because you can run a pretty similar offense to 
what they did with Breeze, um, and you're playing in a dome, so that hand size issue is somewhat mitigated. Yeah, um, I I agree. I think he's going to go in that mid first, and I had a mid third on him. Okay. Um, I I think he has a good shot to be a starting caliber quarterback. I just don't necessarily see the high end upside that for me makes it worth drafting a first round quarterback. So where is he in your ranking of Corral, Howell, Strong, Ritter, uh, Willis, and then Pickett? Well, so being as I've only watched two of those guys, okay, um, he is second. Okay, <laughs> behind Willis. Okay, that's fair. I've watched Willis as well, and I, I I didn't think I would like Willis, but I did more than I thought I would. But with the caveat, uh, I've that- seen enough of Howell to where I'm comfortable saying I think I'm probably going to have Howell a little bit higher. I will have Howell comfortably above both of them yeah. with Willis. I, I'm, I like him more than Pickett with the caveat that I want, I want Willis to sit for a year. Yeah. No, like when he, I say I meant then Willis. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. Yes. A little bit higher than Willis. Uh, Probably that's probably going to be like a full round grade higher than. Okay. Pickett. Yeah. So then I would, so then I'm pretty similar. Like I would, I would say I haven't watched, I've watched a little bit of Corral and watched a, actually I have watched Ritter. So, um, I, and then I haven't watched it. I've seen enough of strong that I kind of feel good enough about where I know how he is. So I'd probably say I'm at this point, I think Howell might actually be my QB one. It's probably Howell, Corral, uh, strong Willis Ritter Pickett. Okay. Yeah. I I've only watched, I don't like, grading giving full grades unless i've watched four games of a guy and i'm only at three for uh three for how so gotcha okay want to watch another game or two preferably with him mm-hmm. before i finalize that but uh yeah he as of now between the three he, i like him the most um okay but uh yeah that will do it for us on the risers pod we'll have another one coming out this week um Two, two podcasts a week. We'll, we're going to do a Senior Bowl preview here. So uh, get ready for that. And until then, let's get fired up.